0: If I could this evening, I would like to draw your attention to the book of John. I want to thank you for your kindness and response to the word this morning. Uh, I want to please the Lord. I want to please the Lord. I'm not so sure that's as hard as some people have made it, but it's certainly not as easy as others have made it. Amen. If you're going to serve the Lord, it's going to cost you something. Amen. And you're going to have to win that battle in your mind. I believe that we can, and I believe that we will. Amen. I want to draw your attention tonight to the book of John. The book of John, chapter 19. And I want to spend just a very short moment of time... In John chapter 19. I would like for you to join me. At about verse 28. And I have just three verses that I'd like to read to you. It will be very familiar to you. Thank you for standing in honor and respect to the word of the Lord. Thank you to all of our guests that have joined us in the house. Thank you to all of our guests that are joining us online tonight. We're very honored to have you join us in our worship service. John. Chapter 19, in verse number 28, the setting is of Jesus hanging on the cross. And after this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that's so powerful, knowing that all things were now accomplished that the scripture might be fulfilled, he said, I thirst. Now there was set a vessel full of vinegar, and they filled a sponge with vinegar and put it upon hyssop and put it to his mouth. When Jesus, therefore, had received the vinegar, he recognized what it was. He said, It is finished. And he bowed his head and he gave up the ghost. In your Bibles tonight, if you have a red letter edition, you will notice a lot of black letters in these verses. And then there are three words that just pop off the page. It is finished. There have never been three words that I have been more grateful to read and hear in my lifetime than to hear our Messiah Say it is finished. Because all of the sudden everything changes. Every sin that I would ever commit. Every iniquity that I would ever embrace. Before the cross I had no hope. But when Jesus said it is finished. Brother I want to tell you there was a debt paid that he did not owe but I couldn't afford to pay. He hung his head and died. And they put him in a borrowed tomb because he wouldn't need it for long. And on the third day, he got up out of that grave, resurrected, and for 40 days with many infallible proofs. He showed himself to his disciples and to many. And then he ascended into the heavens. And I want to tell you tonight, when Jesus said it was finished, it doesn't matter what anybody else says. It doesn't matter what anybody else has to say about it. I've come to tell you, Jesus said it, and I believe it. It is finished. Praise the Lord. You may be seated. Look at your neighbor tonight and tell them it is finished. What an exchange. What an exchange. For Jesus to be given bitterness to his mouth in a sponge, gall, vinegar, put to his mouth. He was in the last few moments of his earthly life before his crucifixion was completed. And because of dehydration, because of sweat and blood and tears and the terrible condition of his body, his mouth Became cotton dry. It is said that. Taking a medical look at the crucifixion. That the reason why they put nails through not only the wrists, the hands. But also the feet of those who were being crucified. Is that by the end of their crucifixion. They would be so severely dehydrated. That their bodies would cramp with an extreme force from their toes to their earlobes. They would cramp all over their bodies. And of course, he had been brutally beaten and spit upon and they had plucked his beard and cursed his name and humiliated. And by the time they finally got him to the cross, he had already carried that cross and it had Dug That crisscross beam had dug into his back that had already been beaten. He was beaten beyond recognition. And hanging there on that cross, they said the reason that the nails were in the hands and the feet is that there could be no rest for the pain. That in order to get the pain off of his wrists, he would have to stand on his feet. At which point the pain would transfer to his feet from the nails and then to transfer that pain from his feet he would rest back on his arms and there was literally no relief from the pain. And then as his body began to draw up and his muscles began to spasm, I don't know if you've ever woke up with Charlie visiting you in the night but it can be excruciating. I recall in my younger days being an athlete and would be out in the sun all day, get in the car to go somewhere when all of a sudden you would receive a visitation in your hamstring. And it was without warning, um, when it showed up, you were going to move. You didn't have any options whatsoever. I've just about kicked the back of somebody's head off in the church van before after a softball tournament. And uh, it's going to happen. But Jesus hanging there on the cross, he had nowhere to go. There was no escape from the pain. And as he would relax onto his feet, they claimed that his legs would charley horse, that those who were being crucified would nod up and then they would... Have to stand and in doing that it would begin to tear ligaments in their arms and their feet. What a terrible thing it was. And then the final slap in the face seemingly was that Jesus was standing hanging there between life and death. And his last request was that someone would give him something to drink. When somebody who we really will probably never have an identity for Thought that the wisest thing they could do would be to take a sponge Stick it on the end of a hyssop branch Dip it down in the gall And put it up to the mouth of our Savior At which point they thought it was being cruel to put bitterness to his mouth Yet Jesus identifying the vinegar, the gall on the sponge Refused to allow it to enter into his mouth It's something to be said about a man Who's being crucified for a sin that he never committed A crime that he had not committed Only to realize that if anybody had a right To have bitterness in their mouth, it was him But when he tasted of the bitterness at the end of the hyssop branch he refused to allow bitterness to enter into his mouth. I'm telling you tonight that there is a lesson to be learned in the crucifixion of our Savior that at no point in your life will anybody ever take you to a place that is worth being bitter over in your life. There is nobody in the world that would ever be worthy of my salvation and taking that from me and me being lost over them and me allowing bitterness to enter my tongue. He said, I don't even want the taste of it in my mouth and he refused it. I'm declaring to somebody tonight that the best thing you could do is to begin to count your blessings and realize how much has been forgiven you And when you realize how much you've been forgiven, it'll be so much easier for you to begin to forgive. Amen. Now, there is a saying born in what some historians claim to be America's favorite pastime. It's born in baseball. And that saying is three strikes, you're out. It's literally so ingrained in the psyche of Americans that we really play life the same way we play ball. On the average, people get about three chances in your life. You'll forgive them about three times. And then you write them off. But I'm really thankful beyond imagination. That God gave me more than three strikes at it. Because I can tell you I have strived for perfection. I've tried to be as good as I could be. But in my humanity, I have often stumbled and slipped. And made marks on my life that I wish I had not. But thank God that His nature is never to give up on His creation But to always make a way For us to find a way back to an altar of repentance I'm telling somebody on this Sunday night You have not walked so far from God That you can't find your way back home I'm reaching for some prodigal tonight That may not even be in the house You may be watching on the internet tonight But I'm declaring to you That your failure does not intimidate the master He is so far from giving Giving up on you, God is not afraid to get his hands dirty and get in your life and clean you up and make a difference. Aren't you glad tonight? Yes, we need firebrand preachers that will just that will stand and declare that there is a difference between righteousness and wickedness. We need men that will declare without reservation that it's not enough to love righteousness. You must love righteousness and despise iniquity. But we also need some folks who will leave some room for reality in their theology. That these people that we're preaching to and dealing with every week are human beings. And that we are going to make mistakes. Can I tell you tonight? That I'm not dancing on the mercy of God When I tell you That there's not one of us in this house That if we were standing with the woman Caught in the act of adultery Not one of us would have a right To pick up a stone And cast it at that woman But I'm so grateful tonight That God in his infinite wisdom Saw the need for mercy in my life And brought me to this place Where I could declare to you That God has been better to me That I've been to him That God has reached for me In times of my life That I was not reaching for him But when I could not come To where he was He came to me I'm saying to you That some of you have willingly sinned Some of you have sinned willfully And some of you Have sinned in ignorance and some of you have sinned in error But regardless I'm grateful for the mercy of God That never gives up on us I do know and I'm mindful of the fact that there are some folks That are their own worst enemy and they feel like and believe That they have gone so far that there is no way that God could pick them up And turn them around. But I'm saying to you tonight. That the very same road that led you away from the father's house will be the same way for you to get back to the Father's house. Amen. I believe that to come into the body of Christ, you've got to repent of your sins, be baptized in Jesus' name, and be filled with the Holy Ghost. And I also believe that if you walk away and want to come back to the body of Christ, you got to bow your knee at an altar of repentance and say, Lord, I'm tired of doing this. I want to live for you. And you know what? He is faithful to forgive us. Not his nature to give up on us Forgiveness is tough I've been teaching some on forgiveness in roundabout ways on Wednesday nights lately I've been talking to you quite a bit About forgiveness But there is a kingdom principle That we must never forget In the power of forgiveness in that vein To whom much has been given Of him shall much be required Can I tell you tonight There has never been a greater gift That has ever been given to mankind than salvation. That's it. Like you didn't have to do anything. You were born in sin, shaping in iniquity. You were born headed for hell. Now I know what society says. Society says it's that God's judgmental. And God sits up on this throne. He looks down at people and he damns everybody to hell. And he, you know, you're going to do this and you're going to do that. But I, I want to tell you how I kind of feel about that. I don't believe that God has ever sent anybody to hell. I didn't say I don't believe people don't go to hell. I'm just telling you I don't believe God sent them there. I believe God gave them a way that they didn't have to go. I believe that God made a way for them they could be saved. I believe that God made a way for them that they could turn around. I believe that God made a way for them they could have their sins remitted. Can I tell somebody tonight if you go to heaven, it won't be on accident. And if you're lost for all eternity and spend eternity in hell, it won't be God's fault and it will not be an accident. There was a guy who used to preach back in the day. I'd listen to him sometimes. He'd get to preach and he'd say, Somebody got to go to hell. Somebody got to go to hell. It's a sad thing that we read that heaven has its limitations. That heaven is a city built for a square. Yet, in the scripture, we read that hell hath enlarged itself. It's a daily enlargement because there are people that cannot get over what Calvary already fixed. You may be seated I'm saying to you that the worst sin imaginable The darkest person that has ever lived On the face of the earth The blood is powerful enough For that man The blood is powerful enough For that woman The blood of Jesus is not for a selected few folk in the earth that feel like they've got it all together. The blood is not for perfect people. The blood is for people who realize they are in need of a Savior and there is a plenteous supply. Put your seatbelts on for about three minutes. Because we as God's children who have been washed in the blood Filled with his spirit Taken on his name in baptism Are oft times some of the most difficult people in the world To get along with when we're angry We have been forgiven the most Yet we are the toughest to forgive in The book of Matthew, the 18th chapter Peter asked the Lord He said, how many times Should I forgive my brother? Now Jesus sets a gold standard in this chapter But Peter, before giving the Lord a chance to answer He answers the question himself Trying to show the Lord that I will be merciful I'm not a three strike man, you understand Lord He said, how many times should I forgive my brother? Seven times Now, I'm certain that Peter thought he was being generous Because there are some people that honest to goodness If you ever squeeze one out of them, you have done a miracle But to get them to forgive you seven times would be absolutely astronomical. But Peter thought he would step out there a little bit, you know, and give himself just a little pat on the back because I, Lord, am gracious. How often should I forgive my brother? Seven times? The Lord said to him, 70 times seven. Then he ups the ante a little bit by telling the story of a master that forgave his servant 10,000 talents worth of debt Now you know sometimes I like to play around with numbers This is one of the few things that I think I may have got from my Uncle Mike Because I didn't get his good looks and I didn't get his smarts But I want to do a little math for you Can we do that? Y'all mind going to math just a little bit? One talent equaled 60 minas, okay? So if you're a mathematician, just stay with me. One mina equaled three months worth of wages. So one talent totaled 180 months worth of wages. Think about it. That's 15 years. 15 years. That's just one talent. A 10,000-talent debt totaled 150,000 years of wages. When Jesus is telling this story, He is telling the story to these men in a language they understood. And He said to them, This man owed his master 150,000 years of wages. All of a sudden, they understood there's no way the debt could ever be paid. Jesus was giving them a previewed window of what Calvary was about to do. He said there will be debts that if you lived a thousand lifetimes, you would not be able to pay that debt. Now, stay with me. Using the average lifespan of 2019 Of today's life expectancy It would have taken this servant 2,232 lifetimes To pay off the debt Of course the average life expectancy Of a man during the first century Was less than half of what it is now So if you do that Then it's two times that many lifetimes You're talking about almost 4,500 5,000 somewhere in there between 4,500 and 5,000 lifetimes to pay off this debt Let's do some more fun with numbers can we do it Instead of years let's take the debt and put it into dollars The federal minimum wage is about $7.25 So let's take 9 to 5 Monday through Friday job It's an annual income of $15,080 $15,080 Just above the poverty line for a single taxpayer in the United States Now that may not seem like much But when you multiply it times 150,000 years It totals 2,262,000,000 That's three commas folks, that's billions Now here's the amazing thing By the virtue of what Jesus Christ accomplished on the cross When he said, it is finished He said I just did more with three words than you could have ever done if time was currency. You could not have afforded to take $2,220,000,000 worth of your time and invested it in your sin. He said but I have stretched my arms out and I have laid my life down and I've took a beating that I did not deserve and now that I have come and all things are finished, I want to declare to you that no matter what kind of debt you owed, no matter what kind of sin you had, no matter who your daddy was, no matter who your mother was, no matter what your pedigree is, it is finished. Hallelujah. It's finished. <laughs> Tonight I was sitting in my office and I began to look up the lyrics of this old song. I uh, have always admired this song by Mr. Spafford. But I began to think of the third verse of a song that many of you would know. The lyrics of the course say, "It is well with my soul."." Yeah. But standing in my office tonight with nobody else around, I began to sing the third verse of this song. It says, "My sin, Oh, the bliss of this glorious thought. My sin, not in part." But the whole is nailed to the cross and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Oh my soul. Do you want to know why on this Sunday night I can stand before you and sing It is well with my soul because his blood was not just enough to cover the sins of my fathers but his blood was enough to cover my sin and the sin of my children and he did not just cover my first sin his blood was enough to cover me and wash me white as snow. understand that sin is an eternal problem that the first men that were created man and woman they fell into sin I understand that but I can tell you the rest of this story people are going to sin until the coming of the Lord that doesn't mean you have to be one of them but I love the testimony and the idea and the fact that where sin abounds, grace did much more abound. I'm not here tonight to skate on thin ice with hot skates. I'm not here to trample the grace of God, God forbid. But I do think it's no worthy to understand tonight that before I was ever born and before I ever sinned, there was enough grace lined up. For a lifetime of the debt. Oh God, somebody help me in the house tonight. God did not just redeem me from my past. He gave me a future. He gave me eternity. I'm glad to tell you tonight. When Jesus said it was finished, it was enough. Uh, It was enough. It was enough. Don't let that voice keep you hemmed up in your shame. Don't let that voice keep you hemmed up in the darkness tonight. Don't be frustrated. Don't you think tonight for one moment that you have outran mercy's outstretched hand. I don't know who I'm reaching for on this Sunday night. And this is not a typical Sunday night sermon. I know that, but the Holy Ghost sent me on assignment tonight to tell somebody it is not too late because it's finished. I pray tonight that the Holy Ghost would sweep across this congregation. And would bring to us some priorities that some of us would begin to prioritize in our lives. We have been forgiven a debt that's greater than we could ever forgive. But that's not the point tonight. The point tonight is not how much I have to be forgiven. The point is tonight, I have been forgiven forgiven the point is tonight there is nothing that the enemy could ever do that could separate me from the love of God I can keep myself from it tonight but somebody needs to deny access to the enemy that's been pecking at your mind to the naysayers that's been speaking in your ear I'm reaching for somebody tonight and letting you know God's not finished with you yet you have not seen your greatest revival you have not seen your greatest breakthrough God is not finished with you. I recall on a Sunday morning, probably somewhere in the neighborhood of about twenty, two twenty-three 23 years ago, sitting in a congregation a little southwest church in carlsbad new mexico when the elder reverend deacon apostle archbishop that continues to enlarge the arch <laughs> stepped up to preach and he opened up his bible to the book of Luke chapter 15 he Began to read About a prodigal That took his inheritance And he left home And he spent it on riotous living Joined himself to a citizen of a far country and was laying in a pig pen I'll never forget when the question was posed that morning How my heart sank into my chest I don't know why, but that particular Sunday morning left an indelible mark on my mind when Brother Bingham stood before the congregation with both hands raised. He looked out across the congregation and he said, How far from Daddy's house do you have to go before you realized you had it better when you were home? Now here's what the enemy wants you to believe. The enemy wants you to believe you took your inheritance. That's all there is. But I feel like telling you that while you've been gone, your father's been feeding the calf and fattening it up. Because you may have spent all your inheritance, but you didn't bankrupt the father. I feel like telling somebody tonight... I just want to remind you. I know it sounds elementary, but can I take you back to elementary school and just remind you tonight that the devil is a liar. He is the father of all lies. And everything he's told you cannot be the truth. If God was finished with you, you'd be dead by now. But God has not washed his hands of you. There is purpose in your life. There is something that you can do for God. I'm asking you to stand all across this congregation right now. I feel a strong sign in the Holy Ghost tonight. It's time for somebody to quit running. It's time for somebody to embrace what God has called you to do. It's time for somebody to quit running from a calling. It's time for somebody to put up your running shoes And go put on the robe at daddy's house. And lock yourself in and say I'm going to submit myself to my father. I'll do whatever I've got to do, but I'm going to be used of God. Listen, when Jesus said it is finished, he was not talking about your life. He was talking about the power that sin would hold over you. It doesn't matter to God tonight where you've been. Let the Holy Ghost reach down to you tonight. It doesn't matter what condition you're in. Let the Spirit of God reach down to you tonight. It is finished. It's finished It's finished Hallelujah <laughs> It's finished But I guess the, the question of consequence tonight Is not whether his blood has enough power to forgive But do we have the willpower to walk away from, from what he's called us to walk away from And embrace what he's called us to embrace Some of you have been wrestling with a calling in this place. You've been wrestling with what God wanted you to do with your life. And I'm going to tell you tonight that you're going to come to a place where you're either going to acquiesce and give in to God. Or you're going to wish that you would have. But tonight, the worst thing in the world you can do is to run from the call of God that is on your life, and to just embrace the fact that God thought enough of you tonight to put a word in this preacher's heart. This is Sunday morning. I'm telling this is a Sunday morning sermon. This is something I should be preaching on Sunday morning. But God sent me here on this Sunday night for some reason on a mission to tell somebody you haven't ran far enough yet that God cannot reach you. You haven't gone so low that God can not restore you I'm speaking to somebody tonight in the Holy Ghost if you want to touch him you can do it tonight he's reaching hallelujah just stretch your hands of faith can you believe of all the Sundays that you would be in the house of the Lord You'd be in this house tonight at this very moment and God would send a word to you. I'm not finished with you yet.